Welcome to the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is an online organization and resource center supporting a diverse workforce on the water. With a group of seafarers from the maritime and offshore energy industries, I started Women Offshore last year. First, as a blog to reach out to women around the world. You see, women only make up 4% of the offshore energy industry and 2% of the maritime industry. I worked on ships for 10 years and I've often wished to know more women on the water and have a place, even online, to go to where I could ask questions about my career. So welcome to our first podcast episode. It's great to have you here. I'm pleased to introduce our first guest, Sheila LaFleur. Sheila is a U.S. Coast Guard and Limited Tonnage Master, a graduate of California Maritime Academy, and the principal at Job Propeller, where she connects job seekers with the next role in their careers. In 2017, Sheila launched Job Propeller, which provides HR consulting and resume writing services for maritime industry companies and individuals. Sheila is passionate about helping maritime industry professionals achieve their career goals and equipping companies to grow stronger with the right people on board. We are talking to Sheila today about career advancement and job searching in the maritime industry. What does it take to make your resume stand out in a sea of applicants? How can one prepare for the job interview? And some tips and tricks for when the interview may not go your way. Welcome, Sheila. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of the first podcast. Sheila, please start out by sharing with us how you got started in the maritime industry. My start in the maritime industry began when I attended the California Maritime Academy for college. I was really lured to the academy by the idea of spending summers at sea on the training ship Golden Bear, traveling the world to exotic destinations. And while I certainly got to do that, I got a whole lot more. I got this whole education in marine transportation. I got a bachelor's degree in business. I got a minor in law, and I also got a third mate's license. And I never thought of myself as being one of these people who would pursue a career at sea. Many of my classmates came to the academy exactly for that reason, but I never saw myself doing that. And when graduation time came, I had four different job offers, and one of them was an opportunity with a shipping company as a third mate. And I thought long and hard about this, and I was like, man, if I don't take this opportunity now, I'm never going to do it in my life, and I worked so hard to get this license, I'll just do it for one year, I'll make a little bit of money, and then I'm going to resign and go pursue some corporate career in San Francisco. That's just kind of this dream I always had. And so I did. I went to sea, and I spent that year as a third mate. And that one year turned into seven years. And I ended up advancing my license very, very quickly. I continue, continued to get promoted quickly within the company. I worked for an outfit where we spent a lot of time at sea. We only had a couple months vacation every year. 
which was a great opportunity to advance your license. And I would even say that I'm pretty sure I'm the first person in my graduating class to have received their unlimited master's license, which I'm sure shocked my classmates just as much as it shocked me. Wow, congratulations, Sheila. That's quite the accomplishment. So that's kind of how I got my start, and it was an awesome experience. I really cherished that time I spent shipping, and it was quite an unexpected turn of events for my life to spend almost my entire 20s at sea, but I really am thankful for that opportunity. And while I was at sea, it was great because I got to make a lot of money, I had opportunity to advance. But one of the drawbacks was because we spent so much time at sea, it just became very, very difficult to try to pursue something different, something beyond shipping. And I looked numerous times for different job opportunities, but with such limited time off, it just became very difficult. I didn't really know where I would fit into when I made that transition or what opportunities look like or you know, just what kind of possibilities were out there for me. It felt very intimidating, I would say, to try to know how to make that transition shoreside. I can just imagine working eight, nine months a year, not getting much time off, and then a few years in thinking, I need to find a normal lifestyle. Yes. And I kept an eye out for opportunities that were out there. And I pursued a couple things, but I was always shipping all over the world that was in different time zones and made communication with companies or anyone for that matter really difficult. I shipped at a time where internet was not super readily accessible. There was no iPhones. We had these little flip phones at the time and... (laughs) They didn't provide much help. We didn't have a whole lot of resources. At times, I would have to go into internet cafes and try to check my email. So it was a bit of a different time than we have now. And it was, like I said, difficult to try to communicate with companies about job opportunities. And there was one time where a company was interested in me, but I wasn't going to be off the ship for another four months, and they had an immediate need. So it became... A bit of a struggle. Oh, yeah, I could understand that. So what happened in your career at that time? Well, it was a bit of being in the right place at the right time. I was off the ship on vacation, and I had just been invited to this maritime networking event by a friend of a friend. I didn't know anybody, but I showed up, and I was just chatting it up with a gentleman there, and it came out that I had gone to the California Maritime Academy, and he just looked at me and said, I've been looking for someone to hire from Cal Maritime, and I just said, hire me, and he he ended up hiring me, to make a long story short, and that began my career as a recruiter in the maritime industry. And similar to other points in my career, I didn't really know exactly what that entailed, but I just kind of decided to take this leap of faith. It has ended up being probably one of the best decisions I have ever made. I have been in recruitment now for the better part of nine years. I own my own recruitment firm, which is called Job Propeller. And basically, I work with companies who are in our industry, and when they're looking to make a hire and they need a little bit of assistance, I partner with them, find out exactly who and what they're looking for, and then I go out into the industry and seek out the right people and approach them about the opportunity, see if they're interested in discussing with the company, and I bring the two together and hopefully it's a fit. I also work with 
people who are looking to make changes in their career in the industry and I consult with them. I find out what they're looking for. I can present them with opportunities that I may have available. And if I can't do that, I will certainly point them in the right direction. I also offer some resume reconstruction and assistance if someone needs that as well. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the last nine years. And it's been absolutely wonderful. It's been just an honor and a pleasure to be able to serve people and companies and just help this industry grow stronger with the right people being in the right jobs at the right time. So Sheila, tell me what inspired you to start Job Propeller? Well, I just had so much success in recruitment and I found it to be so much fun and so rewarding and I just have this entrepreneurial spirit that I just knew that it was time to start my own recruitment firm. And one of the core foundational principles I have founded Job Propeller on is honesty and transparency. When you're dealing with people's livelihoods and their lives and their careers. It's like you just get entrusted with so much information and you learn so much about that person beyond just the scope of the job description or their resume. I always strive to ensure that my client and the candidate are the best fit for each other. When I'm working with a candidate, I find out so much personal information about them. I find out why they're looking to make a change in their job and what their compensation is. And I find out what their spouse does and, you know, what how old their children are. If someone is especially looking to relocate, it's a big decision to uproot your family and to sell your home and move to a new city where you may not know anybody. And your spouse may have to get a new job or your children who are in high school might have to make all new friends. It has this trickle-down effect where I'm really helping this person make this massive decision. And when you are in a position like that, I have just found that honesty is the best policy always. And I just can't jeopardize anybody's life, livelihood or career um, just to try to make a job placement with a client. Like the foundation of Job Propeller is to ensure the best fit all around, whether that comes through me or through some other resource. I really just want to serve people in this industry in the best way I can. So tell me, Sheila, why would a job seeker want to work with you and what would that cost them? Well, there's a lot of benefits someone can gain from working with a recruiter when they're in their job search. When you work with a recruiter, the recruiter has an inside line to the hiring managers and human resources within the company. And when you aren't working with a recruiter and you may have to submit your resume into a job portal, oftentimes there are many, many people, sometimes hundreds of people also who have applied for that job. And you're just one of many applicants that someone has to sift through by hand or there's some computer looking for an algorithm, trying to pull keywords off your resume. And if enough keywords get pulled, then you get moved into a different pile to have a live person look at it. So I find a lot of people get frustrated with submitting a bunch of applications online and not getting a call back. And I can definitely sympathize with that. When I work with a candidate, 
and they're the right fit for an opportunity I have, I literally can get them in front of a hiring manager or human resources or both and bypass that other process. Oftentimes I will pick up the phone, call into the hiring manager and say, hey, I just got this great candidate. I just sent them to you, Ali Sedeno. I want you to take a look. She's a King's Point graduate. She spent 10 years at sea, et cetera, et cetera. I would, you know, tell them all your qualifications and why you would be a good fit for the uh, for the position. And, and then I'd say like, can, can you talk to her Thursday at 12 o'clock? Just I'm advocating for the candidate and pushing the process along. So it's definitely advantageous to work with the recruiter. I actually work with candidates sometimes and I don't have an open position for them, but perhaps I've worked with a client in the past who I know would love a person like them. And so I could say, you know, do you mind if I share your resume with this other client? And even though they may not be actively looking, they can passively be looking and sometimes that works as well. And also I just have a big network that I've worked with over the years and I do this all the time where even if I don't make a fee off of it from a client, I will happily do an introduction or pass someone's resume along or call someone up in the industry and ask them for some advice like how can this person break into this this side of the industry. So I do a lot of stuff that is outside of the scope of what a traditional recruiter would do, but that always just comes back to me. I always get referrals. You know, we always say that candidates become clients. So someone could be looking for a job and now a year later, now they're the hiring manager and they're hiring for someone and they remember how good you serve them and they call you up saying, hey, help me find this person. When you're a candidate and you're working with a recruiter, there's no cost to you. The recruiter is paid by the company. So that is one of the benefits is it just does not cost you anything. The only time it would ever cost a candidate anything to work with me is if if they come to me and they really need their resume totally rewritten. And they generally approach me about that. I will take a look at it. Sometimes I just tweak it for free. I'll just fix it up a little bit and say, hey, this looks pretty good. But if they need it totally broken down and rewritten, we have an arm of the business that deals with that as well. Sheila, do you have any stories you could share with us of people that were looking for shoreside roles when they were working on ships? There was one gal I was working with several years ago, and she was looking to come shoreside off of her ship. Similar to myself, she was having a very difficult time finding the right opportunity. It is hard to come off of a ship and take a shoreside position. For one, you're making a lot of money on the ship, and so usually you're going to take a big pay cut. And two, as we already discussed, the issue of trying to interview in between, you know, your shipping schedule and trying to just get the timing right, and she was experiencing both of those. And we stayed in communication, and an opportunity came up, and I thought she would be an awesome fit for it. There was a client company who was looking to hire and they were open to hiring someone off of a ship and training him to be the safety person at this shipping company. And I told her that this was going to be a very challenging position. It wasn't just any old job where they're going to take you under their wing and give you all kinds of support. It was kind of like you were just getting thrown into the fire, but I knew she had the ability to do it. And she was very competent, but I just told her up front, look, this is going to be a lot of work. 
are you sure you're up for this? And she was like, yes, I want it. And she ended up getting hired. She did so well. The company absolutely loved her. It just set her up for the rest of her career. She stayed there for several years and moved on. And now she's an executive in New York and she works for a company that services shipping companies and she's doing so well. And we just laugh about those days where she was literally calling me when she had time off the ship in between cargo loadouts and was like, Sheila, what do you got for me? And so she's just been an awesome success story and one of my favorites. I love hearing that story. It's great to know that a woman was making her way up to the boardroom. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now tell me, Sheila, if someone's getting their resume together, what can they do to stand out in the sea of applicants? This is a great question, Allie. And I think it's so important for people to know that they should tailor their resume to the position that they are going after. I see so many people who will make one resume quantifying all their years of work history, and then they send that resume to every single job that they're applying for. And really, that is not the best strategy. What you want to do is you want to have the job description, look at it, look at everything that they're looking for in this role. And if you have done that in some capacity, you make sure that that stands out on your resume. Now, I'm interested to know of an example of how to tailor a resume for what the hiring manager is looking for. Can you give an example of how to do that? Yeah, I have a great story of a candidate that I worked with. I actually met him at Cal Maritime and we shipped together for a while as well. So we were pretty good friends. I had an opportunity come open with a client who was looking to hire a dock master at the shipyard. And they were willing to train someone, but they did want someone who had some experience with shipyards or at least some good exposure to shipyards. And in speaking to my friend, he was a really good fit. He lived in the area. He was within the compensation range that they were looking to pay. He seemed to be a good cultural fit for the group. And his career goals were in line with what the company had intended for this position. And so what we did is when we, I helped him with his resume and we just expounded on all the shipyard experience he did have as a mate going through different shipyard periods with the ships he was on in dry docks. And so we just talked about that. We, we made it pop out on his resume. And it was experience he held, but it, necess- it wasn't necessarily experience that would have been elaborated on in just any other position. So we elaborated on it. We sent the resume in and they were interested. They brought him in for the interview. And through the interview process, he proved to be the right fit and they hired him and now he is a very successful dock master and he's been doing it for several years so it's really been a good move for him and that all started with him being able to expound on the experience he did have to kind of get his foot in the door for the interview and that's just one thing I want to note is that it's a little bit of a process that the resume just gets your foot in the door to move on to the next steps in the process Once you get into the interview process, whether it be a phone interview or an in-person interview, that's when you have to really sell yourself on your experience and qualifications. And also that's an opportunity to see if the job is a right fit for you. Okay, Sheila, say I get a job interview. What can I do to prepare? So tips on going into the job interview are you want to research the company, research the people that you might be meeting with, 
Google them, go on LinkedIn, just find out a little bit more about their career history and how it led them to where they are now. You always want to have questions to ask in the interview. You never want them to just be asking you questions. You want it to be a bit of back and forth, more like a conversation. And so I always tell people to try to think of some good questions that they can bring into the interview. And ideally, those questions that you ask would show just how knowledgeable you are about the position you're going after or the industry. So the questions that you ask should actually show that you know about what you're talking about, if that makes sense. I tell people to get one of those like leather type portfolios, like one side has a pad of paper on it and the other side has a sleeve. And it's okay to write your questions down on that pad of paper if you need to and you can reference it in the interview to ensure that you're able to get all your questions answered. And then I would tell people to have plenty of copies of their resume prepared and you can put your resume on the other side of that portfolio in the sleeve. And when you come in, smile, handshake, good eye contact. Obviously, you want to just have good etiquette and you can offer everyone in the interview a copy of your resume. The interview is really an opportunity for you to find out about the job in more depth and for you to be able to sell yourself if this is the opportunity you want to go after. You always want to answer every question in terms of what you can bring to the company, not so much what the company can bring to you, if that makes sense. And at the end of the interview, if it is an opportunity you do want, you thank them for their time and you let them know that you are very interested in this opportunity and moving forward to the next step in the process. Sheila, can you explain the difference between the first interview in the second and third interview, and when is the best time to ask about compensation and benefits? So the first interview is all about getting the second interview. And what I mean by that is, for one, you want to find out if the opportunity is in fact what you think it is, and it's the opportunity for you to find out more about what the job entails to ensure it's a good fit. And secondly, it's about you shining. It's about you highlighting your skills and experience and talents that you can bring to this company, essentially wanting them to bring you back and find out more about you. So we would never want to get into anything like talking about compensation, benefits, time off, etc. in the first interview. If the, if the company likes you, I promise that information is going to come out at some point further down the line, but it is never something that you need to bring up. And if you're working with me as your recruiter, I will handle all of that discussion on your behalf. So that shouldn't come up at all at any point in the process. What if the interview is not going well? Is there a way to end a poor interview on a good note? Allie, I think there's very few poor interviews that actually happen. I think it's probably a matter of perception if there ever was an interview that someone thought didn't go well. I can't tell you how many times I've had candidates call me after the interview and say, man, I just, I don't think it went that well. And then when I follow up with the client, they're like, oh, we love them. They're perfect. So we're our own worst critic. We always could have said something better. We always could have expounded on something more. We just think we could have done better, but it's probably pretty likely that you did pretty well. And the way to end any interview is to thank the interviewers for their time and the consideration and tell them that you're very interested in the opportunity and that you look forward to the next step in the process. 
So after the interview is complete, should I handwrite a thank you note or send it in an email? I am a big fan of the handwritten thank you note. I, I love it. I think there's nothing like putting pens to paper to express gratitude to somebody for taking the time to meet with you. And I'm a big fan of that. As long as you can get that thank you note in the mail the same day you're interviewing and you know it's going to get to the person the following day. So if you're interviewing cross country, that's definitely not going to work. And an email would be definitely appropriate as well. So email thank you notes are okay. If you can do the handwritten, go for it. And if you're interviewing with more than one person, they would each get an individual either written thank you or email thank you. You never want to send a group thank you email. So yes to handwritten if possible. All right, Sheila, last question for you. What advice would you give to someone just starting out in the industry? So I would give the same job advice to someone just starting out in their career as I would to someone who's been in the industry for 35 years. And that is to do everything in your work with a spirit of excellence. Whatever you've been given today, whatever your job responsibilities are today, do that to the best of your ability. And I have seen and talked to so many people where they're always wanting the next best thing. They're always wanting some different job. When they get into this other type of job, it's going to be better over there. It's definitely a grass is greener mentality. And as much as I coach people on making a job change, I coach people also on staying where they're at until the time is right. I have seen countless opportunities manifest for people when they just least expected it or just didn't see how it would happen. I've seen people who just worked really hard at what they did, even though they didn't feel like their job was that rewarding or there was much opportunity for advancement, but they just applied themselves and another company that their company was doing business with with, recognized their work ethic and asked them to join their team. Or I've seen people being offered ownership within companies. Or I've seen people who got business ideas from the company that they were working with and saw a need in the marketplace and spun off and developed their own business to service the market. And so you just never know what can come out of where you're at right now. And just be faithful with what you've been given today and more will come in the future when the time is right. And you may not be the CEO of your company, but you're the CEO of you. And do the best that you can with what you have right now, what you've been given, and I promise more will come in the future and the right opportunities and the right doors will open at the right time. Well, that's it. Thanks so much, Sheila. It's been a pleasure having you on the first episode of the Women Offshore podcast. Thank you so much, Allie. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. You're not going to want to miss out on future episodes. We're going to bring on a mom who works offshore, as well as a gal who got her captain's license before the age of 30. You won't want to miss out. Until then, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon.